Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Piece of the Action. It's time for more action-packed excitement with Corey G and the GOAT. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is the GOAT, back with you again for another action-packed episode. The first episode, Ninja Armageddon was off the hook, so we have both signed our Action Elite contracts. That's right, we put it... Originally, they wanted us to put it in ink. I said, no way, I'm putting that in blood. I so just, it's going to be forever. I just used the red Sharpie. I tricked everybody. Oh, you bastard. My arm's still sore from when I cut myself with that butt knife. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not into cutting. Yeah. I knew an old girl that was into cutting, but that's not my thing. I'm more into tattooing. Yeah, you're more into the ink. You got lots of photos online showcasing all your ink that you've cover you know you you got while your travels from around the world and the mystical lands and stuff every country you go you get a new tattoo i'm thinking i'm going for an archaeological dig somewhere and i'm thinking being i'm gonna be the only guaylo there maybe getting me some some old-fashioned ink you know where they use the nail oh yeah they just dip that over and over i already got the trench coat packed well whatever you do make sure you keep your crate straight and don't let people near them and Swap out the contents and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I know I done put this seal on myself. It's broken. These these monkeys around here, they just want to see the Guadalo go down. I have nothing about the knowledge of this. I put a sticker on it, and that's the last I've seen of The movie we're referencing fans is called Out for a Kill. Stupid cigar. This is the only movie I've ever seen where when Slowhand goes to his wife's funeral, all at once the flower pots explode and he's jumped by two Shaolin monks. Yeah. Great movie. It's also the time I've ever seen an archaeologist in the desert wearing a trench. Yeah. That was like Seagal's take on, uh, like the Tomb Raider Indiana Jones. He saw, you know, Indiana Jones had a leather jacket and fedora. He saw, Angelina Jolie as Tomb Raider had a tight ass shirt showing her giant boobs. He's like, I need my own identity as an archaeologist. Hmm, trench coat. <laughs> and, some, and I think he didn't have a do rag on in one part. <laughs> I think they, I think later in the film, I don't know about the desert part. The desert part, what was weird was everybody was outside, but he was in like some little tent, clearly filmed continents away. <laughs> it only movie where. I think I heard a noise. Can you go downstairs and look? And he goes across the street and shines his flashlight on his house. <laughs> That's <laughs> some real geography problems. <laughs> it's, well, kidding aside, though, uh, it's a great movie. No, yeah, it actually is good. Like, especially once the action starts and everything. Yeah, he still doesn't disappoint with the action. Um, I will give him that. That's one... And he taught me, you know, any motherfucker fry an egg. Yeah, that's right. I think that line was from Pistol Whip. That's Pistol Whip. I think my favorite line, though, is in Today You Die when that one uh, gangster dude goes, look at you coming in here walking like a black man, talking like a killer. (laughs) What's funny about Seagal's urban films... What's funny about Seagal's urban films is, like, he always goes into situations where he's the only white person there. And what's funny is all of a sudden, like, you can tell he's rewriting the script because all of a sudden all the black people are so impressed with how black Seagal acts. (laughs) 
point of reality, they would probably be insulted or be laughing at him. That's weird. He's like uh, fist pumping, uh, tree tr- tretch, whatever the fuck. Oh, man. Oh, shit. I, I messed up, man. I forgot to uh, remember the title of it, but I was at um, I was at Big Lots yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, and I got some um, $3 DVDs, and I saw I didn't buy it. But I saw an action film starring Nia Pebbles from The Dance Machine and also Half Past Dead and Treach. <laughs> the fuck movie was that? Treach Treach was on the cover with um like a suit on <laughs> and sunglasses and there was like a Photoshop explosion behind it. It was it was three dollar DVD. I I wasn't buying it though. Oh, you didn't buy that? That could have been next episode. <laughs> The Treach uh, double feature. I was gonna say maybe maybe I should buy it and watch it and we could review it and then I could um maybe we could then give that um you know that that DVD away as a prize or something. Hey, that's a good idea. I'm gonna I'm popping out the phone and I'm gonna I'm gonna check Treach. Is that T R E A? Yeah, Anthony Treach. I found it. I found a. Uh, Go to IMDb. The movie was Connor's War, starring Anthony Treach, Chris, and Nia Pebbles. The plot is, oh, he learned a lot from working with Seagal, man. A blinded ex-special agent is given his sight back by a special serum in order to form him to, in order for him to stop a nuke that's hidden somewhere in the city. Things are just starting to complicate. That's the description. Things are just starting to complicate. <laughs> Oh shit, it was directed by Nick Castle, the guy who played, uh, Michael Myers in Halloween. He directed a bunch of good movies too. Oh shit, it was the last movie he directed in 2006. That's a shame, man. He, he, he directed The Last Starfighter, Major Pain. He did some big movies and he did a movie with Treach, which apparently ended his career. Treach been in a lot of stuff I'm looking at here. <laughs> yeah. And what's what's good is uh, uh, maybe I should go back to Big Lots and get that movie. Connor's War, man, it's got lots of good uh, uh, co-stars in it. Besides Nia Pebbles, they got Elias Tufexis, they got Warren DeRosa, and last but not least, they got <laughs> Blue Mankuma. Oh, the Blue Mankuma. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm uh, clicking on his IMDb. This guy I'm looks trying real to figure familiar. out why when you type in Treach and it says also see Bo Derek. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> She's one of the people. Hey, he was in El Chupacabra. Loving a Bullet. Yeah, Treach done a lot of stuff. I know, man. He was in Oz? Oh, just three episodes. He played Malcolm Snake Quail. He played the snake. I don't remember that character. He was an eight mile. Oh man, he's gonna be in Atlantic Rim. Ooh. When giant monsters crawl out of the ocean and attack the eastern seaboard, the government must make AI robots to defend it. This sounds very familiar. I forgot uh, Treach was in Feast. That's, I've actually seen that movie. That's actually before. a really good movie, yeah. yeah All three of them are good. But, but he also was in El Chupacabra. And, uh, before I self-destruct Art of War 3 yeah he took over the Art of War franchise from Wesley Snipes once Wesley Snipes went to jail for tax evasion there you go today you die is ice cool 
That's a great movie. Yeah. It, it actually is. It, Treach made his uh, motion picture debut in the film Juice, playing Redane's homie. I hated that movie. Juice, he's a, yeah. He's a fucking... Okay, and I don't got nothing against Six-Pac, but here's... Uh, Tupac, but here's this motherfucker. He's got a gun. Okay, he ain't got no, even a Beretta. He's got a fucking pistol, and everybody's afraid of him. Like, just let him shoot a few more times. I don't think he ever bought more bullets. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, they got that gun in, like, a robbery or somewhere, and it's just a revolver with six shots, and yet he kills, like, seven people in the film. But, like, like the idea is, like, once he got this old-ass gun from the 1930s, he would go on this huge killing spree, killing all his friends, no matter what. Like, none of it was necessary. And just it was the idea that he, I guess he just got crazy with the power of having a gun. But it's not like he had, like, some Uzi or something. It's <laughs> not like any of these other guys couldn't get a gun? Yeah, really. Yeah, they're, like, in New York or somewhere. Like, you could have got a gun for, like, 20 bucks. That was my, like, remember the movie The Town with uh, Ben Affleck? Yeah, and Hawkeye was in it. Yeah, the bank robber movie. Like when those guys threatened him or something. Say, well, you think you're the only two motherfuckers in Boston that own a gun? <laughs> That's a it really also, good movie, actually. It, it also says Treach is known for Up in the Air, the 2009 <laughs> film with George Clooney. Up in the Air. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what IMDb says, but I guess not as an actor because it says he's known for it. But I'm scrolling through his credits and he wasn't in the movie. So. Maybe he did a song for it. Maybe it doesn't really specify. I don't know that movie. What up in the air? Yeah, it's um, it was like an Oscar winner where George Clooney he fires everybody. Like that's his job. Is to try to oh, okay, yeah, and I know what you're talking. I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. A little boring. He kind of. Peak though at Return of the Killer Tomatoes. It's hard to, you know, get better when you've done that. Oh yeah, he just was on the soundtrack of Open Air for the for OPP. George Clooney was bouncing this OPP. Which is funny because yeah, that's actually what that movie's about. I think George Clooney starts banging some guy's wife in it. Yeah, I, I, Clooney makes. A lot of movies that I don't care about, I don't think society in general cares about because they don't make a lot of money. I'm going to make a movie about rival football teams in the 20s, and we love Renee Zellweger. <laughs> you know, who's going to go nobody, see that? No, nobody did. I know Leatherheads, that was the name of that movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. I, I'm I've, I've seen it. It's okay. It's like... um. It's like a fake Coen Brothers movie, like where everybody's like just like all slapstick. Yeah, I've maybe got so many movies. I'm gonna make a movie about a guy who records videotapes. <laughs> yeah, he just makes random weird stuff. Treach was also in a 2003 film called Players Ball. I've heard. Is that with Halle Berry? No, it's with Elise Neal and Alan Payne. I don't know that one then. Well, the Holly, M- oh, the Monsters Ball was Holly Berry. Yeah, MC Light's also in it though. You oh. might remember her. Nope. You don't remember MC Light from the 1980s? Nope. She's like a female rapper that like. I don't know. Nope. Rap was not my. I I don't know very much about. Excuse me, rap music. Is that why you didn't know who Treach was? I had no idea, but I like House Party. I know who yeah, Kid like Play House are. Party, Class Act is one of the best comedies ever made that nobody watches. 
I know. I remember uh, actually, me and my dad went to see Class Act, and I had to go to the uh, the, the whatever the manager of the theater tell him to turn it up because I couldn't hear it. We <laughs> 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 sitting in the theater about halfway, like like not even in the back of the theater, like in the middle of the theater, and he still couldn't hear it. I was like, "Can you turn this up, please?" Like, I can't. Was it a packed house? Because when I saw it, there were only three other people there. No, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday, and like there's about two other people there. Yeah, that movie didn't make a lot of money. No. Yeah, and before we get talking about today's movies, which uh, unfortunately the first one didn't make much money either, but uh, yeah, I don't think we've ever asked who is your favorite action star. My favorite action star. That's funny because uh, it, it actually changes every few years. Like looking back on it with some. Um, you know, some like whatever. Like for a long time, I wouldn't tell you Chow Yun Fat, but looking back on his career, he hasn't actually done action in like quite a while. He's doing a lot of historical epics and now. So like, I just look at him now as an actor who had an action period. But as far as guys who consistently do action, I gotta say right now at this moment in time, even though I do revisit Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Seagal quite a bit, actually Van Damme is is my top guy. I'll say it again. I. I... My go-to guy is, is the Statham and the Rock. Actually, the more I think about it, but oh, I think Van Damme probably the best actor in the bunch. To be honest with you, it is funny because when he started, he could barely speak English, and you would have thought he would have never got any better as an actor. Whereas, shockingly, Seagal has actually gotten worse. He started out like not that bad, and now like he he doesn't even look like he knows what's going on in the scene. I'm <laughs> like above the law. He was really good in that. Yeah, he actually was, and that was, that was his first movie. Like, and I, don't, I mean, I, there's a few other ways, but I mean, it's sad when acting-wise you peak with your first film. That mm-hmm. should be your roughest, if anything. Yeah, that's a. And then you got somebody like Chuck Norris that just has no excuse. Chuck Norris just looks like he needs to be like building a barn somewhere. <laughs> like, he's he's the least exciting action. I I remember when I was like pretty young, like. uh uh, there was like we're sitting around. There was nothing to do, and like me and my dad, and we got my cousin and one of his buddies to go see. We went and saw this Chuck Norris movie called Hero in the Terror. Oh, I remember that one. Oh, it was one of the worst movies I've ever fucking seen. It was so bad. <laughs> the only reason I like Sidekicks was because you know Joe Piscopo carried that movie. Yeah, he did. I watched just about anything with Joe Piscopo actually. Like I haven't seen a whole lot of his movies, but I actually am a fan of Dead Heat. I liked it. I had the Blu-ray. Not There's the greatest. A Blu-ray? There is. Midnight Films put out the Blu-ray. You pick it up for like 12 bucks. It's by no means the best Blu-ray I've ever seen. No, yeah. but, but it looks good. It looks better than the grainy-ass VHS. Yeah, I didn't know. I have a, I have the um, Anchor Bay Divamax DVD. I think that's know? worth money. Is it? it I picked be. it up used for like five bucks. Yeah, I know Anchor Bay's got a nice handful of things that are worth money. Yeah, because they printed up like 3,000 copies of them, and then that was it. And then people pay hundreds of dollars, and then all at once, another company picks the movie up, and it becomes worthless. Which, you know know what, like, like, believe it or not, like, all the movies I have, I've actually never, like, sold a movie or, you know, like, made a profit or anything. Like, I never sold any at all. But, uh, but, But I do believe that movies, like, should not be out of print. Like, I think it's shitty when, like, People are fans and they can't like get a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, here I found it for if you want to buy it. Dead Heat on Blu-ray, ten bucks on Amazon. New. I might have to pick that up. 
from Midnight Madness. Uh, I think that's the Image Entertainment put it out. Okay, yeah, Image is weird because they put out a lot of shit, but they don't like really advertise their stuff. Like I never see sites really doing announcements for them or anything. You know what I mean? Oh, here's your special edition. That's no, like eighteen bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. Did that have extra stuff on it? You know, I can't remember. Like I've watched the DVD two or three times, but um, since I got it, but I don't really remember if there's anything on there. I saw it in the theater. Did you? Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember it playing theatrically. I think, like, maybe just for a weekend or something. It was a failure. Yeah, well, I think it was put out by um, some, uh, like, little-ass distributor or something. That was New World, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, you know, you know what's funny? Out of, like, all the cheap-ass companies, like, I grew up in Cincinnati, and me and my dad went to the movies at least twice a week. So, like, usually I caught lots of cheap-ass shit. And, like, when I look back at all these films, for some reason, it's the New World ones that, like, I missed in the theater. So, like, they must not have, like, if they did, maybe they played the drive-ins in Cincinnati or something. I don't know, because, like, I don't ever remember seeing New World shit. Very, like, I know, like, one of our favorites at Tough Turf, I didn't see that in the theater. Yeah, same here. I didn't see that in the theater. I saw Angel in the theater, though, because my grandfather was a pervert, so I got to go see all those movies when I was a kid. Angel was kind of big, though. I remember seeing TV advertisements for Angel. Uh, on a student by day, hooker by night. And then I remember I bought, the, I got the box set when it came out. And I, my wife had never seen it. I was like, oh, man, this movie was sleazy. It's got a tranny in it. And, and it's a guy serial killing these hookers. And, and we turned it on. I was like, maybe by the time I hit 45 minutes in, I was like, man, when you're not eight years old, this movie's pretty damn boring. <laughs> yeah. I got uh, the Dead Heat special edition. It has the audio commentary with the director, the producers, the writer, deleted scenes, something called MIFED promo, the press kit, the theatrical trailer, poster, steel gallery, original storyboard art, and the best one of all, if you put it in your DVD ROM on your computer, you can read the original screenplay. Yeah, I remember at Inline Cinema used to have a lot of those where you could put your DVD in the computer yeah. and get all that. Blade, I remember, had the script you could download. Yeah. I, like, seriously, though, like, like not being a smartass, but I, like, I wonder how many people ever fucking did that. I never did. I just no, watched I mean, the movie. I fuck, I want to read it. <laughs> well, I mean, I watch all the special features and shit, but, like, I ain't going to read the screenplay. Like, I'm not a special features guy. Really? I really like them because what I find is... um. Is if it's especially if it's a movie I like, like I just don't want to take the disc out and forget it. Like I, I didn't watch the special features to kind of you know, you know, just pique my interest or whatever. Yeah, I'm more straight to the movie kind of guy. I love to see a Steven Seagal commentary. <laughs> I don't think that will ever happen because he, he won't get in the booth to do the dubbing for the actual movie. You think he's going to come back for a commentary? <laughs> He'll send his stunt man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I need you to sit man. here and the voiceover guy can do the talking. Well, the snowman was more on the set than I was, so he could come do it. <laughs> we need to do a Steven Seagal commentary for that piece of the action. Being he's never going to do one, we need to do one for him. I know, man. It's What's coming. One? It's coming. <laughs> what, what, what one would you like to do for the first one? You think? Oh, I God. think. I think actually, Mark for Death might be a good one. Yeah, somebody else has already done that, though. Oh, have they? Yeah, I'm trying to think of, you know, classics like Urban Justice or Today You Die or Pistol Whip. 
<laughs> that, well, if you're going to go that route, I think you definitely got to go with Kill Switch. Oh, we can do Kill Switch. <laughs> I'm down to do Kill Switch. Now, which one's that again? It's the one where you have that guy out the window like 50 times. <laughs> That's right, where they didn't have, they, they must have filmed it enough times, every action scene was shown like eight or nine times. You know, at the end, like, Seagal comes back and finds his girlfriend slaughtered, and the killer's there, and Seagal tells him, See, the sad thing is, you kill her to get to me, but all you had to do was call my motherfucking name. <laughs> then doesn't he, like, leave the dead lady and go to, like, his mail order of Russian bride or some shit like yeah, that? Yeah, he does, which, out of nowhere at the ending, he just shows up. Like, the movie's over. Okay, he was a Memphis cop with a southern, urban, black accent. <laughs> and all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, you know, like, he's done being a cop because his friends got killed, his girlfriend got killed. He's going to get away. So he drives into the Russian countryside, and, and he shows up at, like, a mansion somehow. And, like, uh, there's a hot, young, blonde waiting for him and two young kids who call him Papa. <laughs> I like the one where he's where he's writing pen pals to the Polish girl who's been sold into sex slave trade, and she's leaving him number clues so he can find her in Canada. Well, not only, yeah, not only that, but he shows up to to the, investigate the orphanage after he stopped receiving letters. I know something's wrong. She would be sending me letters. If <laughs> she left him a code. <laughs> yeah, on the wall. She scrawled it into the wall. Is that out of reach? I think it is because it's the one I just got. Yeah. I picked that up with Submerge at a local used DVD store. They all blend together for me. <laughs> but I watched a bunch of them in succession. Yeah. Well, enough with the slow hand. Yeah, yeah, man, you wouldn't think we were doing a slow hand podcast. But tonight we're going to be covering somebody with a fast hand. Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Going to be starring in the unfortunately now delayed Fast and the Furious 7. Yeah, I, I wonder if his scheduling with shooting Expendables 4 is going to um, keep him from coming back to the fast, whatever. I got a feeling that... Oh, I think Expendables 3 is the last one, isn't it? Really? I haven't heard anything about that. I think Stallone had mentioned that, or... I don't know. I keep making shit. I'd make... I'd be... Like, if Paul Blart Mall Cop made money and I was Kevin James right now, you'd be seeing Paul Blart Mall Cop 9. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> I want to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but Grudge Match supposedly just didn't do well at the box office, so I'm pretty sure Stallone won't be retiring to Expendables anytime soon. None of these movies, even the two we're talking about, didn't do good at the box. Well, actually, the second one opened at number one. I mean, I mean, it's money, but... Well, the first movie we're going to talk about is Jason Statham. It was my favorite action movie of 2012. It was Safe. City underworld. There are gangsters, killers, and corrupt cops. But today, the most wanted person in the city is a 12 year old girl. Tell me why those men go after you? I can memorize anything. They showed me a very long number. 
there anything interesting to you about these numbers? It's not just random. There's a sequence. It's a code. Help me if you can. Who took the girl? It was Luke Wright. What? Luke Wright, the Big Apple's hardest cop once upon a time. Get everybody on this. The Chinese and the Russians. Close every exit out of Manhattan. That girl does not leave the city. Let's go to war. Are we safe? Till my dying day. I got the numbers. Now you're dealing with me. Yeah, hugely underrated. I saw, I mean, obviously I was waiting for months and months every time. You know, like I go to the movies and the preview play, everybody be yawning. And they'd be all excited for Hunger Games or where the hell to come out. I was like, no, man, Statham's going to deliver. And Safe came out. A movie that didn't have a lot of hype, and it, it was just awesome, man. When it opened, I want to say either the week before, the week after, or the week of, it was in that same couple-week frame of the Avengers. So yeah, it was just it was. doomed to fail. You know, I remember it was, it was like mid or late April, and then Avengers came out like May 4th or something. Yeah. So, like, so like you had like one weekend to do well, and then, but like everybody was just waiting. And like, especially a state the movie, I feel like, you have to hit in either early spring or the fall. Yeah, that's why that feels Fast and the Furious. The, the, the beginning, the first ones, and like Triple X and Vin Diesel, they open it around the end of, in the middle of August when everything's already long done. Yeah. Because Statham is, you know, this film in particular, you know, it, it's a little smaller scale, but it's delivering the more brutal action that I feel like. You know, listeners of piece of the action and readers of the action elite would be more accustomed to. Uh, to get into it, uh, it starts out like probably the first ten minutes is probably the worst like handled <laughs> section of the film because it starts out and like fast forward almost like you really got to keep up with this. Basically, there's a girl in China that is so smart that, that she's getting kicked out of her school. They want to send her. To a uh, like a smarter, gifted school like the um, like the X Men Academy or something like she needs to go somewhere or like like more prestigious like like almost like Eastland you know. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. There's a time you gotta go and show you grow, and now you know about the facts of life. The facts of life.
me. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically what happens is word gets out that this girl's so smart that the Chinese triads scoop her up. Did they take her? How did, of, they, how did they find this out so quick? Well, the, one of the one of the uh, it's like a coincidence, but one of the uh, the girl's classmates, I guess, of her dummy school, was like bragging to her uncle Lo Pan, played by James Hong, that like, oh, there's this girl, she's so smart, like a computer. So instantly, uh, James Hong, being a criminal mastermind, and this film sporting a luxurious thick uh, head of black hair, even mm. though he's a 96 year old man. Chinese herbs do a lot. You know, it's funny that you say that because his, his hairline shape is almost like Seagal. It is. <laughs> it's from that medicine bag, I'm telling you. So he scoops the girl up, and then basically because, like, there's so much triad business going on, and, like, they can't afford to have all their, their gamblings and their dealings and all their shakedown money getting found out on a computer. So they put it all in this little girl's head. Like, they make her memorize all their bank accounts and all this shit. And then they take her to New York. And then that's where we get introduced to Statham. Like, this very, the opening of this movie is very schizophrenic. Statham is a cage fighter. And, like, with, like we see about three seconds of a fight where he just beats the shit out of somebody and sends them to the hospital in a coma. Yeah, and he was supposed to, I think you find he was supposed to take a dive. Yeah, and what happened was... <laughs> and this one was weird too, because basically, like uh, some gangsters who were hooked in with the Russian mob, they were all betting for Satham to take a dive, and he didn't. He beat the shit out of the guy, and Satham says, "Like, well, like, what was I supposed to do? I had to make it look good. I, you know, he couldn't even take one punch. Like, where'd you find him and all this stuff?" But <laughs> the guy <laughs> that was going to powerful. <laughs> that was a hell of a punch to fuck the guy and put him on a respirator. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a slow hand punch, if you ask me. Exactly. And, like, there's so much built into the storyline of this movie. Like, apparently, like, Statham's wife had died, and he was a sad bastard. So the Russian mob, they said, listen, we're gonna, we're not going to kill you, even though you cost us all this money. What we're going to do is we're going to follow you around for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> And anybody you talk to, they give them one one exception. They said, you're allowed to talk to hot dog vendors. <laughs> they said, you can talk to hot dog vendors, and you can get a hot dog, but then you've got to walk right away or else we're going to kill them. Like, anybody you make friends with, instead of punishing you, we're going to punish anybody who cares about you. So Statham, he voluntarily becomes homeless. And then we cut to a year later, and we see the little girl now is in. Uh, well, you, you forgot. Wait, did did they get did you, did we miss the scene at the homeless shelter with the shoes? <laughs> no, no, that's coming up okay. at this part. Yeah, we we cut back, and now we're cutting back to the little girl story. It's a year later. Now she's in New York working for the Triads. They flew her into New York, and the Triads are working with some dirty cops. And. Uh, Basically, what happens is uh, she's she's keeping track of all the numbers for all the protection and the racketeering and gambling and all this shit. And uh, then we go to Statham. and we get into his homeless story. <laughs> he goes to a homeless shelter and he sits down. And it's funny because like Statham has like some real bummy, dirty clothes on, but he's got a pair of Air Jordans. And while he's sitting at the homeless shelter, it's basically just like a big room with like hundreds of cots in it, and he's going to sleep. There's a guy that comes in, like, really dirty, 
really scuzzy. He takes his shoes off, and he's got like like leprosy feet. Like his the skin is rotting off his feet. <laughs> he ain't got no socks, no nothing. He notices Statham has a nice pair of Air Jordans, and he tells him, "Hey, those are some nice shoes." And Statham threatens to beat beat the shit out of him if the guy tries to steal Statham's shoes. But then. The homeless guy with the leprosy feet counters that he will blow Statham if he could get them pair of pair joints. What did you think about this scene? Like this is a, like out of character for a Statham film. Yeah, it, 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 you think he would just snap the guy's neck on his own? Yeah. So basically, the guy keeps like rubbing his bleeding feet. And Statham's like, okay, you can have the shoes. But he don't give him no socks, which I would think you would need socks on them bloody-ass feet more than you would even need the shoes. But he gives them the Air Jordans. The guy puts them on. They go to sleep. They wake up. Statham notices the guy's feet. He ain't got the Air Jordans. He got the bloody leprosy feet again. So Statham pulls back the covers, and the guy's throat is slit. And he's like, oh, shit. And then, like, we get some real bad voiceover acting as the security guards, like, surround Statham. And, like, basically we just see Statham sitting down and we see the backs of these guys. And they're all telling Statham, like, it was his fault, basically. Yeah. Now, 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 this begs me to differ. This has been a year now. They're just killing random people he talks to. Number one, how does he not see them watching him anywhere? Yeah. Number two, how much money did they lose on this fight that they're sitting on this guy for this amount of time? Well, what I was wondering, what do you think? Do you think that the Russians killed the homeless guy, or do you think somebody killed him for the Air Jordans? I think the Russians killed him. You think so? Yeah. That would make sense, because what happens is Statham gets on a subway, and, like, some kids try to talk to him and say, hey, we remember when you was a fighter, man. And then Statham knows that there's an evil Russian lurking nearby. They must hire people. Your job today is to follow this guy around. <laughs> yeah, and if he sees you, to stare at him. So, so Statham's walking down the street. Like, some homeless guy bumps into him. Like, a little guy looks like a rat. He looks like a puppet. He don't even look real. And then Statham goes in to buy some coffee, a $4 cup of coffee at this, like, fake 7-Eleven. And he realizes the guy that bumped into him on the street stole his money. And so they're screaming at Statham to get out of there if he's a, he's a bum, he ain't got money, all this shit. And the Statham starts laughing maniacally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and basically the cops, like, they pull Statham out of the store, these couple, like, plainclothes detective cops, and, like, they don't really beat him up, but they start slapping him and pushing him. And then they realize who he is. And then out of the blue, and this is why I always found this confusing in court, out of the blue, now we're revealed that not only Statham was a cage fighter who beat a guy into a coma, but now, like, Statham was, like, an ex-cop, too, somehow. Like, the toughest cop in all of New York. Yeah. So, what cop is, like, fighting on nationally televised pay-per-view <laughs> cage fighting? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, why did they wait 25 minutes into this movie to tell you Statham was also an ex-cop? Well, I guess it wasn't germane to the plot at the time. Apparently not. You think he would call his cop friends? I got Russians fucking following me, killing random homeless people. Can we get a arrest warrant out for these guys? There's only six of them. Yeah. So basically, what's going on now is the words out on the street that the triad's got the little girl, and she knows all the bank account numbers and all this shit. She knows where a safe is that has thirty million dollars in it. So the Russians. 
go and they hijack the triads to try to steal the little girl. And this was a pretty cool action scene, didn't you think, Corey? Oh, I thought the, I thought every action scene was cool in this one. Yeah. It's hard to describe this movie. It's not really shaky cam style, but it is, like, super fast cuts. There's lots of cool, like, um, like this scene in particular, like a big truck slams into a car and everybody starts shooting. There's, like, lots of cool vehicular uh, scenes in this movie, like, really hardcore. And basically, the little girl goes on the run, and you got the Chinese and the Russians uh, after. And basically, Statham's in a subway station about to throw himself onto the tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's thinking about throwing himself on the tracks when he sees this little girl getting chased by the Russians. So he starts chasing after two, and at first, she's running away from him, too. But finally, like, he grabs her, and, like, it's on a street corner where now the dirty cops are involved because the word's out, the Chinese, the Russians, everybody's like, we need you, to, the dirty cops, to help us get this girl back. So now you got the dirty cops, the Chinese, and the Russians all going after this little girl. And Statham, you know, he, like, he kind of takes it maybe that, like, this is his calling in life. He was about to throw himself right onto the tracks and then seeing this little girl save him. Yeah, like his redemption. Yeah. So basically... Like, some cops scoop her up. Like, he, he gets, like, Statham shows up nigga time, beat the shit out of cops, take the cop car, and here's some more, like, not a, not really so much car chasing, even though there is a car chase, but it's, like, lots of car smashing going on. And, Corey, did you notice, like, they did, like, some CGI-assisted thing where they show this, like, car chase and all this shit through a rear-view mirror? Did you yeah, see that? Yeah, Like, Statham runs a guy, like, puts it in reverse, runs a guy over and like you see Statham driving, but if you watch the rear view mirror, you can see everybody he's running over and smashing into and shit. <laughs> I wonder if he did the driving in this. I know he does a lot of driving in his movies. Yeah, and like that's what I was gonna say is um when you see this movie, uh it, like there's a whole section where Statham jumped on when he's trying to get a hold of a little girl, he jumped on top of like a subway car, like he was literally on top of it, a train and all this shit. Like, I think this one, it really is, like, a, like you could almost call this Transporter Part 4, but, like, the really hard R-rated version. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, his fighting style, he's really acrobatic. He's really punching, kicking. And what's cool is he shoots a lot of people in cold blood. Like, he'll just shoot people in the back, and the head, whatever. But then he pistol whips a lot of people at the same time. He literally wipes out, like, a couple city blocks. Yeah. Like, he just kills everybody. And he's trying to, you know... And he's trying to uh, get a hold of this little girl. And, like, some of the Russians he wiped out in the train station, he stole their their uh, their wallet and shit. So he goes and he buys a suit. So so we, we got we got Statham in a suit again. We got him driving cars all fast. There's even a part where he, dra- he steals a BMW. Like, it really is, like, transporter territory here. Yeah, yeah, the more you, you're describing it this way, it is. Except, the, so the girl would be his package. Exactly. <laughs> well, glad a transporter movie should be fucking dead. Exactly. Transporter movies, he never gets the package there. And <laughs> oh, he's not a good transporter. And because uh, the little girl is carrying a cell phone, she don't realize she's getting tracked. The Chinese triads, this is a pretty crazy scene, I thought. They take a whole entire hotel hostage. Yeah. <laughs> like they go to a restaurant and start slapping and shooting like rich people. And basically, like, Statham, like, 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 he comes out and, like, unfortunately him and the girl get, get, you know, separated. So the triads get the girl back. Statham's too busy fighting everybody. But the triad gang leader, because the police are starting to surround the building, 
he has the plan to start shooting the people in the restaurant so they all run out the front door. And he's just literally just running out, shooting people in the back. <laughs> well, I just got my favorite part where Statham just tackles the guy out the window and lands on top of him. Yeah, that was awesome. We missed but, uh, no, Yeah, did we miss when Statham went to that bar and he said in Russian, I, I don't like moments like this? No, that's like the next part. That's the, the next part. Yeah. So basically what happens, Statham is, you know, he's separated from the girl, but now he knows the plot and he knows how to play them because he's got the combination for the safe from the little girl. So he goes and he shows up at a Russian restaurant because the word is out that Statham's back. He's on the warpath and all that shit. And the Russians are like, you know, like the guy's like, should we get everybody out of the restaurant and get ready for a ward? And the Russian gangster's like, no, nah, keep everybody here. We're safer in a crowd. So Statham shows up. <laughs> He doesn't even disguise himself. He just walks up. <laughs> he walks up, yeah. And yet no one recognizes him. Yeah. They don't have the doorman, don't have a, be on the lookout for this guy. Here's his picture. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> he just walks up to the bar and starts drinking, like right next to a giant Russian gangster. And what, what was his line that you liked so much? He's, he's like, I, I don't like moments like this. And it's all in Russian, you know, and the guy's like, well, what moments? Yeah, there's, there's actually a lot of subtitles in this film, all the Chinese people, all the Russian people. That, and I found that strange for action film, that they would be authentic to the language and keep yeah, it all subtitles. that is weird. Yeah. And he's like, what moments are these? He's like, they're the ones right before I kill somebody. And he just, blow, just he kills everybody in the bar. I mean, he's shooting him, he's snapping necks, he's beating him with the butt end of his gun. Yeah, like, he pissed with so many people, like, there's a scene where, like, three or four guys are sitting behind the table, and, like, they whip their guns out. It's like, Statham flips the table over, uses the table to pin them to the wall, and then he just starts shooting through the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, and he never reloads. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Well, there's actually a lot of action scenes, and also in the later, really big shootout, he never reloads. He just drops a gun, and then he picks up the gun of whoever he just killed. Yeah. Like, that's kind of his thing. That's kind of cool, though, because I know it. That's what I, was, I always liked in the John Woo movies. They would always get off a few more shots, but Chinese Fat would usually just throw his gun down, but he had, like, 80 more in his coat, so he just kept pulling out new ones. Well, the best scene was in uh, Better Tomorrow Part 2, where he's shooting, and, like, he's, like, at a house, and, like, there's a window behind him, and, like, his friend's outside just, like... <laughs> Throwing guns through the window for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That was at the very end, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, at the, the climax, yeah. That's a good movie. Like, he's just reaching behind himself. Like, as the one gun run, runs out of bullets, he drops it, and he reaches behind, and his buddy hands him another <laughs> <laughs> We need to talk about that one one day. Yeah, it's a classic, man. So, anyway, Satan takes one of the gangsters, the Russian gangsters hostage, and he starts playing this little game of cat and mouse, pitting everybody against each other. Then he teams up with his, you know, corrupt ex-cop buddies. They're going to take down a Chinese triad uh, place where the safe is located. It's like a giant nightclub with gambling places. They got slot machines, everything in this place, man. It's high class. Yeah. Like, there's girls walking around everywhere. And, like, basically, Statham goes in with uh, him and his cop buddies, and they just start killing everybody. Like, yeah. they, they ain't even, like, a moment where they walk in and ask somebody, like, hey, take this to the back or anything. They just start shooting everybody. They're, like, worse cops than Luke Hobbs. Mm-hmm. And, like, and like this this scene was great, I thought. Like, for you know, for a John Woo fan as myself, like, really getting into the gun battles and whatnot. 
Like, everybody was dying. Statham was grabbing machine guns, gunning everybody down. Like, Satan was really violent in the scene, pistol whipping everybody, then shooting them, then pistol whipping them again. <laughs> like, I'm surprised he didn't pick up a dead guy and start hitting him. Yeah. And, like, there's lots of scenes where Satan grabs people and uses them on human shields and has them take the bullets and shit. But, uh, literally just about everybody in this, uh, in this, uh, casino, little underground casino, whatever, like, everybody just started pulling out guns and shooting back. And they're blowing everybody away. Like, there was even a, uh, like, a roulette dealer, some young girl in, like, a cocktail dress pulled out a gun, and they even shot her. <laughs> yeah, they didn't discriminate in this movie. No, nah, so they make their way to the back, and basically what happens is um, they're all watching Statham, the dirty cops that are left. And the dirty cops, like, some of them start shooting each other. Yeah, <laughs> in they, the don't want, the... they don't want that money, man. They ain't fucking yeah. around. Yeah, because they didn't want to split the 30 million six ways or whatever. They want to split it, like, three or four ways, you know what yeah. I mean, or less. So Statham knows these fuckers are going to, like, shoot him as soon as he opens the safe, so he pulls a double cross and he shoots them. He leaves one of them alive, and he gets all the $30 million, and then basically, you know, he pulls, like, a little switcheroo where uh, he's he's going to buy the, chi- the the little girl back from the Chinese for $30 because he's got all their money and shit. And, like, that's pretty much literally what he does. And then there's, like, some wimpy white banker guy who shows up at the end. Yeah, that made no sense, really. <laughs> no, yeah, this guy came out of nowhere. Because there was, like, a subplot that had to do with the governor. Wanted the $30 because the dirty cops were working with the governor in New York or whatever the fuck. But, I mean, honestly, that was just, like, a side plot that really didn't have anything to do with anything. Like, that Like that was just an excuse for this little wimpy banker to show up at the end. Yeah. And then he acts like he's going to beat the shit out of Statham. And then, like... Should we spoil how that fight goes? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the, li- the little Chinese girl grabs a gun that's on the ground, and before Statham and the wimpy banker can fight, she just shoots them. <laughs> shoots the wimpy banker. She's so. learning from the state, killing everybody. Yeah, so Statham literally gives all the money back to the Chinese, you know, in exchange for saying, like, hey, don't come after us, don't come after this little girl. You know, she deserves, like, a real life, and I want to be her protector, kind of. And that's where the movie ends. So, like, it really did have a lot of dramatic beats for how, like, violent and, like, super crazy it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I mean, this was this was probably his most violent film. I mean, yeah, like, that, I, that I place is real violent, but that's more like, you know, cars. This is actually, like, yeah. you know, him just slaughtering people. Like, on the street, like, in the middle. And there's, like, there's so many probably innocent people to get shot in this movie. Yeah, he had no disregard for anybody. Yeah, like anybody just moved wrong, he just starts shooting everybody. Yeah, he was he was definitely badass in this film. Yeah, I mean it really is like one of my favorites. Like, you know, like as far as movies that star Jason say, I mean, Expendables is great and everything, but he's like a supporting character. But like, you really get down to like the core Statham transporter crank, like whatever. I I would put Safe in his top three, really. Yeah, I yeah I would. Um... It's actually my number three, to be honest with you. Um, Expendables 1, he's got the most memorable scene of the basketball court scene. Yeah. At least to me, that's the most memorable scene of the first film. I like, I don't know, I like pretty much, I mean, he does a lot of dramas, I think, and a lot of just, like, crime cop movies that people don't really take into effect. But, yeah, as far as, like, violent action, this this is his most violent film. Yeah. Like, all his, like, if you notice, like, um... All his action stuff pretty much comes out here. 
but then all his, like, British dramas, like, just co-direct a video here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I didn't like Blitz. A lot of people really liked that one. I couldn't get into that one. I mean, I thought it was a good movie, but, like, it didn't need to be a Statham movie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it was, it was well-written, well-directed. He was good in it, but, yeah, you know, like, I, I got the box, because I hadn't seen the trailer for it, and it was like, the, a cop killer meets a killer cop, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be badass. And it was just a, you know, it was, it was really it was just a crime movie, like nothing I hadn't seen before. Well, yeah, like, the thing is, he's chasing, like, one serial killer guy throughout the whole movie, so, like, there's a lot of action beats, like, a lot of, um, like, chasing and shit, but, I mean, as far as fight fights, like, yeah, it's, you know, because it's, it's a cop movie, it's a, you know, solving a killer movie, it's not, you know. His worst movie is Revolver. I agree, that, I didn't like that, and I didn't like, um... I always forget the name of it. I think it's called London, where he was had the wig on and he was doing cocaine in the bathroom. With, I've never uh, seen that with Chris Evans. Yeah, that's pretty bad, dude. It's pretty oh, rough to take. Revolver was horse. Somebody needed to get a revolver and go shoot that guy in the projection booth, turn that shit off. And, like, I'm surprised it was so bad because it was a Guy Ritchie film, and I thought uh, his, you know, kind of his film debuts was with Guy Ritchie's with Lockstock yeah. and Snatch, and I thought Statham was great in that. And then, like... And Revolver, it just, it was, Revolver was trying too much to be like a Guy Ritchie M. Night Shyamalan movie with a big twist at the end, you know what I mean? And then it would cut to like animation scenes and all, it was just just a mess. It was corny, yeah. That wig he wore was horrible. Yeah, horrible. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know, man, like, maybe it's because we're just so used to what Satan looks like. Like, he's going to look bad in a wig. And then on top of it, like, same with London, man, they give him like a nerdy, like, comb to the side nerd haircut wig like he just like they, they try to put the most fucked up wigs on him and it just it, it, it's it's like you can clearly tell he shaves his head down because he's losing his hair just like it's like for Vin Diesel too I remember Find Me Guilty what great acting Vin Diesel did in Find Me Guilty I was like well, the wig was pretty believable but you know <laughs> I mean, that's a fun movie too but I mean yeah. putting hair on a bald guy don't don't mean him he's going for a master thespian role there well, find me guilty. It wasn't even like him putting some hair on. He was supposed to be playing a sixty-five-year-old man. <laughs> I remember it's like, look at all the, look at how he transformed his body. It was like he looks the same. He's just got a fucking wig on the bag of your suit instead of a wife beater. Exactly. He's not behind the wheel of a muscle car. <laughs> it's a fun movie, though. Don't get me wrong. No, no, I enjoyed. It. I saw it in the theater. I thought it was good. But his acting wasn't like. I wasn't blown away by it. It's better than his acting in uh, The Pacifier or whatever it was. Pacifier is a cute fucking movie now. Oh, come on. <laughs> they got kids. Lord have mercy, Jimmy. Well, uh, trust me, you know, you might watch The Pacifier because, you know, you, you want to see a kid's movie and, you know, it's got the diesel for you, but your kids don't care about no Vin Diesel <laughs> no. changing diapers. <laughs> My wife liked it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Who was, the, who was the hot chick in that, though? The mom. Who was that? She was hot. I don't know, dude. I haven't seen it. But, we, we, like, we're going to have to team that up with uh, the Tooth Fairy with the Rock. That's a fantastic <laughs> movie. Now, that one. Are you serious? Uh, that's the Rock. I own every Rock movie, except for that one that just came out straight to video. It passed me by. Yeah. But, no, I got the Tooth Fairy. I got the game plan. I got that shit. That's the Rock. Let's see. There's a bunch of different people. Was it was it Britney Snow? Was she the hot mom? 
Maybe. I don't know. She's just hot. No, she looks too young. I, I don't know. I can't tell who the mom is from IMDb. <laughs> Were you talking about Carol Kane? Was she the hot mom? Yeah, no, not so much. She was in the pacifier? <laughs> yeah. Ah, I think so. Must have missed that. I like the pacifier. Vin Diesel's not a master thespian, though, either, in all honesty. I think he's, I think Slohan's a way better actor than Vin Diesel. Nah, just because, I don't know, dude, like, Slohan, come on, dude, like, Slohan, he does, he, in half his direct-to-video movies, he don't even act like he, like, knows what's going on. Like, Vin Diesel might be very one-note in his performance, but at least he looks like he's in the movie that he's in, you know what I mean? He's not stretching. No. I mean, what what are the what are the three characters we know? Riddick, Dominic Toretto, and Xander Cage, even though he's never made another triple X. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's playing the same guy, only one of me has lensed eyes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that separates. I really like Triple X. I, I wish there was. I, a, I wish they'd make another one without Ice Cube. Yeah, well, I, Vin Diesel messed that up because he was like, he's like, oh, like he thought he was going to go on to do all these big movies, and he's like, new franchise. And he's just like, well, yeah. It, it's like, instead of, like, if he would have played his cards right, he could have had Riddick. Triple X and Fast and Furious going at the same time. Instead, now he's just a slave to, to uh, Fast and Furious. Well, I think he's going to do another Triple X. They've been talking about it for a long-ass time. Yeah, but at the same time, Riddick only did okay, the part three of Riddick. So it, was, it was really good, though. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. But, uh, but I don't know. I think Hollywood's just going to look and be like, yeah, dude, like, oh, we're going to put you in now. It's fast. And he's producing them, so I think he's worth a lot of money. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Because the thing is, is, like, everybody thinks they're so clever here seeing all their book adaptation movies of books for 13-year-olds. And everybody's just like, oh, action's dead. That shit's old. Oh, uh, all these guys. But, like, people don't understand overseas, man. Like, that's where all the action movies make money. Except for 47 Ronin. Because that Japanese movie tanked in Japan. Did it? Yeah, that movie hasn't even made a combined worldwide. I think worldwide, it, it count what it made here opening on Christmas. So far, it's made thirteen million dollars. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, no, that. it's done that bad. No, it's not. I, I looked at it today. It did like forty-two million worldwide. That's pathetic. The movie it opened like three weeks ago overseas. It cost one hundred fifty-seven million to make. Well, it's, they, did, did you see any advertising for it? No. Cause I, I did like six, to, seven months ago I did, and that was it. Nah, <laughs> uh, dude, it's like a stupid... I mean, it's it's going to tank. I'm not arguing with it there, but they didn't try. Worldwide, 42,871,000. That's and it's only, bad. It's only been out for like a week, though, dude. Like, it's it, 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 will, it will limp to about 65, 70 worldwide, do another 25 on home video, and they'll only lose like about seventy million on it. They need to put him back in a phone booth. He should have had Bill and Ted go to Forty Seven Road, and it would have made money. Oh, I want to see that. I want to see another Bill and Ted movie. Man. I do too. That's Keanu's most believable role. But I want to see the Forty Seven Ronin just because um, a it's an action movie, so I'll, I'll sit down and watch it or whatever. But uh, I, I don't like being told what to go see, and like right now everybody's like, oh man. You know it sucks. We admit it sucks, but we all got to go see the Desolation of Smog. And then they piss on every other movie that's out. Like, oh, this is a flop. That's a flop. 
It's just like, how is it, like, I understand if everybody goes sees a movie and word of mouth is like, oh, this movie sucks, but in this internet day and age, like, even before 47 Ronin came out and other movies just like it, everybody's like, oh, it's a bad movie, it flopped. It's like, dude, like, it's been out for, like, three hours, like, how do you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, this movie is gonna tank because the popcorn sales are not doing too well. Yeah, well, the exact same thing happened with Lone Ranger, and then everybody, oh, it's bad, it's bad. I it's actually to go see a really it. good movie. I went to go see it, like, I was like, oh, I was pretty good, I liked it a lot, I saw it twice, and everybody's like, oh, it's bad, but, oh, I saw it, yeah, it's pretty good. It's like, I mean, I have no problem with somebody's like, I watched this movie and it sucked, or I don't, I don't even have problems, like, with people being like, like, oh, I saw the trailer and I have no interest, it's like, well... You know, from the trailer, you could be wrong. It could you could end up really liking it, but I understand. Like you got to be excited to see a movie to go see it. But yeah. people who are just like, I was reading the financial quarterly reports from the movie studio, <laughs> and I heard this movie. It's like just because a movie loses money, that doesn't mean that you're not going to like the movie. You know no, what I mean? I've seen so many failures that are well, it's safe. It didn't make no money. Yeah, and and I have no problem saying that, like, in the same year that Expendables 2 came out, I have no problem saying that Safe was probably the best action movie that came out that year. It was my favorite, followed by Raid Redemption. Yeah, I, you know, I really like Raid Redemption too, but I feel like it's just slightly overhyped. My thing with it, I liked it. It was, I bought it, I liked it, it was fantastic. I'll probably never watch it again. Safe I've seen about eight or nine times. Yeah, because Safe is good. Safe just keeps moving, whereas, like, you really got to watch the raid. You got to see some fuckers try to hole up in a bathtub for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good movie. And it's, the, fight, it, it, the, the end fight, to me, was almost too long with the two guys against a crazy midget. I was going to say where the two guys fought, fight uh, Al Leong. Like, like, I was 100% with the movie to that point. And then, like, that fight scene, which was supposed to be, like, the big one in the movie... To me, that was the only part of the movie that really whiffed, and I'm like, this was supposed to be the best part of the movie, and it was kind of like, mm. it, That one guy was beating the crap out of those two masters of the martial arts for way too long. Yeah, like, it just didn't make no sense. No, it was it was pretty bad, it, and it, was, it went too long. Well, it went too long, and they were kind of just in the same room, just slapping each other. Like, they should at least, like, work the story where, like, they had to chase them or something. You know what I mean? Like, something. Yeah. Slowhand would have just walked in there and killed all of them. Yeah. See what I like about Slowhand is his um his fight scenes don't go too long because he never gets like hit. No. Like, 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 like even if he does get hit, he just pretends like he didn't. So it's kind of like you know he's gonna fuck them guys up quick and he ain't gonna waste time getting beat and laying on the floor and all that shit. Nope. There's 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 no fight scene. Yeah. They're beneath him. That's because he Fair. comes in that buildings, walking like a black man, talking like a killer. <laughs> That's, that's right. Full show. Full show. Like in a in a weird way. Like I almost wish uh, uh, Slow Hand only did uh, urban movies now because those I are do the too. They're the funniest ones to talk about. And, and he should always have a rapper for a sidekick. I like it today. You, you know, Urban Justice when those guys try to jack his car, like you fucking dead homes. Ooh, I'm getting scared. Slap, slap, slap. Y'all motherfuckers. Better tell people I'm looking for who killed my boy. I'll fuck everybody up. <laughs> now, excuse me, I gotta rent an apartment above a liquor store. I gotta talk to this unusually attractive young woman about this <laughs> <laughs> dirty roach infested apartment up here. 
The thing wasn't even clean. No, it is perfect. I take it. <laughs> yeah, she's all apologizing. There's like piss stains on the carpet. He's like, oh, it's everything I ever needed. <laughs> I swear when he talks to his dead son's widow or whatever, and she's like, yeah. you're, you're, because he's killing all these guys. You're just like them. No, baby. I'm much fucking worse. <laughs> Say that to your son's widow. <laughs> They never said if he was a cop or anything in that movie. He just rolls no. up in the town and kills everybody. Well, like, he goes to the police station, and, and he's like, I really need you to help me find who killed my boy. And they're like, you know, you know, sir, there, this is a big city. There's a lot of crimes. There's not a whole lot we can do, but we, you know, trust us. We'll do everything in our power. And so it's just like, all right, I'll handle it myself. And, and he just walks out. Yeah, he just, and he does. He, he takes down a drug raid. Mhm. We gotta get we gotta get some slow hand in. The next few weeks we're gonna have some slow hand, but we're still with the Statham because now just like Statham was protecting a young girl in my movie, he's protecting a little boy. That's right. I'm talking about my favorite of the trilogy. I'm talking about Transporter Two. I'm listening. It was supposed to be an easy assignment. Hey, hey, what's the first rule when entering a man's car? Good. This was a favor. I don't usually do this sort of a job. I thought you were a professional driver. A different kind of driving. But in Frank Martin's line of work. Jack Billings to see Dr. Coblin. Room three on your left. Nothing is ever what it seems. Keep going, Jack! What about you? I'm okay! Hello. You have two hours to get me $20 million in non-sequential $100 bills. Two hours, Mr. Billings. Starting now. We don't know who we're dealing with. We think the driver may be in on it. That's impossible. Now. He could have been setting this up the whole time and you wouldn't have known any different. Got him. The best in the business. Is it stable? Yes. Stable. Good. He's back in the game. What do you know? It's more than a kidnapping. What are you going to do? Find the guy responsible. He's your friend? Hold on. Just came out of the dry cleaners. Impressive. Transporter 2. This is basically, now, a few years prior, Denzel Washington starred a fantastic Two Guns, which I just watched the other day. He was in a movie called Man on Fire. He had to protect a little girl. He was like her bodyguard chauffeur. It took his old ass 
two and a half hours to protect the kid, and he still dies at the end. Now, when it was remade as the Transporter 2 with a virus, <laughs> Statham does this in 86 minutes. See, That's it. if you remember, the Transporter is Frank Martin, and he's the package man, and he drives packages, basically. He transports things. Much like Steven Seagal was a transporter in the movie The Four. I think it was The Foreigner where he transported things. Yeah. Steven got, uh, I'm sorry, so <laughs> Slowhand Seagal got in on the transporter business himself. He did. And, well, Steven, you know, he, in the beginning, he, it's, it's a nice opening scene. He's like in the, and I love Audis. He's driving an Audi and he's in the underground parking garage and, the girl, I don't know her real name. She's on 90210, the new one. She, like, uh, pulls the gun on him. The sexy schoolgirl. Yes. Much like Blair Warner from The Facts of Life. Yeah, I mean, she. this girl looked like she stepped right out of Eastland. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life. The facts of life. jack him she's with like about five brothers and they, they go to jack him as the Stephen gets out of the car and they're like you know they, they well they go in the car and they you know they got their little like screwdriver to start it and they go the car won't start no it's, it's coded it's one of those fancy hundred thousand dollar cars you know and they give us the code and i can't do that so he beats the shit out of all of them and it turns out he's not transporting a package he's chauffeuring a little kid for a rich family but didn't you think it was funny Corey, that that sexy Tall blonde schoolgirl was hanging out with about eight or nine big tough black guys. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, it didn't seem very likely or. <laughs> no, she wasn't dressed like a gangbanger. She was wearing a nice pleated, almost like a Catholic schoolgirl outfit. Yeah. She was hot though. Yeah. Well, I like chicks in this movie. Yeah, and like these guys she was with looked like they stepped out of a mystical music video. Or something. <laughs> Pretty much, he fucks them up bad. And yeah. The the fight scenes in this are they're they're kind of gritty, like safe, but they're also a lot more movie food up, a lot more jumping and stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know he drives his kid home, and they ask him, you know, hey, you do us a favor tomorrow, and the kid's name's Jack. Like, can you take him to his doctor's appointment? Yeah, and then he's like, normally I don't do this kind of work. I'm a different kind of driver and all that, you know. But he agrees. He likes the kid. He's taking a shine to the mom and everything. And he takes the kid to the to the doctor's appointment. He sees this. He uses his Statham vision. Because, like, the receptionist looks like a really skinny, crack-addict version of pink. Yeah. And uh, he noticed she has a garter belt with a bunny rabbit tattoo. So, you know, something's up. So yeah. she pulls out a couple of Uzis. And what they do is they take this kid. They, they give this kid a shot and they take him. And, you know, they get, they get to stay. 
and it's real over the top. Like he's launching fire extinguishers and shit, and he's crazy. Because he, 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 yeah, he, he doesn't have like any guns or anything with him because this wasn't that type of job. He just was driving a little boy to and from school. And I gotta say, like, I mean, granted, this is set in sunny Miami and all that, but I did, I, I didn't really buy the fancy school. Like, it, I mean, it was nice, but it was no Eastland. But anyway. Statham ain't got no guns, so when these terrorist motherfuckers are hijacking the dentist off, he has to use the average, common day, everyday tools of dentistry to go up against these motherfuckers who have machine guns and all this shit. And, like, they're just blowing literally holes through walls and shit. And, like, next, but, but one thing I found was interesting, this is actually a lock, stock, two smoking barrels uh, reunion, because you had the red-haired guy, Jason Fleming, from the guy Richie Films, mm-hmm. playing the Russian here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they take, they, they, they kidnap this kid, and they give him, they, they lock him in like a barrel, and they tell Statham, you know, they let him go, but they plant a bomb on the bottom of his car. Because, you know, when he drives off, they just blow him up. But luckily, once again, using the Statham vision, he sees a wrecking ball. And when he gets in his car, he pops up on two wheels and jumps. And the bomb hits the tip of the wrecking ball and takes it off. So he lands, drives away safely. And this is, this is after, by the way, he was jumping the car across parking garage. <laughs> yes, I forgot. He, yeah, because he, he, you know, he saves it. He takes the kid back, and that's when they when they bring him. The, this pink chick finds him, and. Uh, you know, she's got the gun to the kid and him. And he's like, well, let me just drive my way. And he's, like, driving between two rooftops with, like, tires on each side. And he jumps from one parking garage to the parking garage across the street. It's real hokey. I mean, but, it, but it's not, like, crappy CG looking. It, it looks, I mean, by no means is this a real car stunt. I don't even think even the state is that good a driver. But it looks really good, actually. It looks real. It looks good, and, like, kind of what hides the CGI or whatever is um, this movie looks a lot different. Like, the first Transporter took place in France. It was very naturally shot, whereas, like, they went for, like, a really orangey, like, Michael Bay look in this movie. And, like, the colors are, like, really saturated, overly contrast, so, like, it, it kind of hides the CGI, I think. It, I like the way it looked. I really didn't. And, see, they, the, the whole plot, he see, the, the kid, they want to ransom. They get the ransom, they get the kid back. The reason is, is they've given this kid a virus. And so when he gets home to his parents, he, you know, of course he's coughing and everything. He passes this virus on to his dad, who is going to go give a speech to, like, all these, like, world leaders and scientists and everything. So he's going to get all these people sick, and our main terrorist guy, that's when he's going to get the money, because he's got the antidote, which he's pumped into his blood. Yeah, like it, it was in some vials, but then he said he shot his blood. I was going to say, what did you think about the parents of the young boy? Because I thought it was strange. The father, you got Matthew Modine, a very lily white man with some graying reddish hair. And then you got a white mother with blonde hair. And somehow they're the parents of this young Cuban boy. Yeah, I, that didn't. Maybe he was adopted. Yeah, maybe. I Except don't know. at the hospital, like I still believe happened to my wife. Okay. But, uh, you know, now they think that the Statham could be involved because, you know, the cops remember him, you know, driving away, leading him on this chase. So that's why he says, I'm going to get to the bottom. I'm going to find who's responsible. So 
in one of my favorite, my probably my favorite scene in the movie when he's going digging around because he just randomly goes to places now and is beating up people on houseboats and in warehouses and shit and um and he finds these two guys that have this drug and he's chasing them down. The one actually like jumps on the back of a bus, so the Statham jumps onto a jet ski with a hot chick on it. He doesn't like throw her in the water. He like flips her over behind him, and then he jumps the jet ski on the highway so he can chase the guy down. I didn't know they drove on the highway, but I guess when you're the Statham, you know. Well, he, he was going at least two or three hundred miles an hour in the water, so when he flipped up off of the bank and just hit the street, of course the jet ski was going to slide on the pavement at least two or three miles at, you know, a good 50 miles an hour. Yeah, he's jumping out of fucking windows. He's doing splits in between cars. Uh, you know, and it all culminates where he goes to the bad guy's house and he has to fight multiple goons. He's kicking fucking, tying them up with fire hoses. He's kicking paint buckets into them. It's just very elaborate, you know, very, whoever did the choreography for it, it was very over the top. It was very cool. Yeah, Statham fights a guy actually in a boat that's, like, not in the water. It's on land, but it's got, like, some stilts holding it up. Yeah. And, and Statham makes it all collapse down and crush on the guy. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, he he, he kills the girl. Well, that wasn't much of a fight. You think this girl's, like, some badass bodyguard. She just swings at him. He pushes her into a, a wall of nails because, you know, every bad guy's house has a wall of spikes on it. Well, to be fair, she was about... 83 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> I mean, they made her out to be this big badass femme fatale, you know, and that was, that was kind of a letdown there. Well, yeah, but, like, all she was doing in the movie was shooting a bunch of cops. Like, whenever the cops would pull up while this shit, chaos was going on, she just would take out the Uzis and shoot all the cops. And, you know, the action movie universe lingo, the cops are the wimpiest people in the world. This is true. Now... Then the state gets in a, I think it's a, is it a Lamborghini? Yep, a yellow Lamborghini. Nice fucking car, and he has to chase down a plane. And he does, you know, he gets on the plane. Now he fights the bad guy in the plane. Make, he crashes him into the ocean. But the state knows that's where the, the, the antidote is. So he puts the guy in a mask and brings him back so they can cure everybody. And, and you see the father and the mother and the son on the hospital and they're hugging each other and that's when he just decides to leave because even though he liked the mom, he knows that their family's got to stay together. That's right. Because the mom wanted to bang Statham, of course. Oh, yeah. And and this proved once again that he's a bad driver because all he had to do was take the kid to the doctor. He fucked that up and caused all these problems. You know, in, yeah. the, in the first one, he opens the package and damn near causes a slave trade war. It's just, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, Statham's my hero. And I, the Transporter's an awesome series. But the Frank Martin character, I got to agree, there was a blog Owen wrote a while ago. That's the worst package driver in history. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get the package there, first of all. His number one role is don't open the package, and the first thing he always does is open the package. Open the package, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, if, if you're the one, like, his insurance and that, he's always blowing up cars. He's just, I wouldn't hire him to transport my package. Corey, I was going to ask you, what did you think, my only real criticism of this movie is why did they bring back the French cop? Comic re- comic relief, because they brought him back to do fishing. The, he's on vacation, and they he ends up in the police station. They know he's the Statham's friend, and he's he's calling to Statham, trying to give him tips of where to go and everything. But uh, 
Because he's, a, he's a lieutenant. Really his help at all. Yeah. Uh, he was, I think he was just... Because looking in part three, he was his fishing buddy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they... Luke Besson... Well, Luke Besson made the first two. He didn't do the third. It was Oliver Megaton did the third, but... Uh, if you're familiar with Luke, Luke Besson or Luke Besson, how do you pronounce it? He's responsible for La Femme Nikita. And I think he did the professional too, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. He did. Well, it got confused. I was thinking Leon, but Leon and the professional are the same, same thing. <laughs> well, yeah, like, like Luke, what happens is Luke Besson, he just kind of co-writes and produces these films, and he let these directors take over because the first one was like the first Transformer wasn't it co-directed by. Corey Ewan and uh, yeah. Louis Leterrier, and then Louis Leterrier did part two, and then Oliver Megaton did part three. And I like part three, like for what it is. But I have to say, Oliver Megaton, like on all these franchises, when when the ball gets passed to him, because I think the same thing, Taken Two got passed to uh, Oliver Megaton. Like like the satisfaction from the fans of the franchise always goes down. <laughs> my, my bitch, my bitch with three, and believe it or not, three is even more insanely over the top than this one. But yeah. I didn't like the way the, the colors. I mean, part three looked like it looked like a, like the stock film was dirty. It had a real grimy look to it. Well, it was like the saturated, where like everything looked usually like uh, like either gray or blue or. Yeah, it, it just had a weird look. I mean, it was a cool movie. I mean, where else you can see a guy jump a car on a train, so yeah, he get cool. off the train and kick the shit out of a bunch of people. But I think a lot of people didn't like Part Three because he was uh, tied to the car the whole time. He couldn't get out and really fight people. But he did. I mean, he did, but he couldn't just like go running around and shit. The, my favorite part of Part Three is when he was on the bicycle trying to catch back up with the car. That was cool. Yeah, he's doing like all the BMX tricks. Because Transporter 2 actually made money. Like, it wasn't a blockbuster, but it had a real simple budget. I think it was like a $12 million movie. And it opened at number one with $25 million. So, I mean, it was guaranteed a, a sequel. Whereas Part 3, I think it opened at like three or four. It didn't do as well, where the first two were actually surprise hits. Yeah, and like what happened was uh, it was Fox uh, distributed the first. Too. And the first one really wasn't a big hit, but it did it, it gained popularity on video. So by the time part two came out, like there was a lot of pent up demand, and it was like real popular. And then Lionsgate, good old Lionsgate, if you want to bomb, have your movie come out from Lionsgate. They handled part three, and then they just shit the bed with it. Nobody wants it, and they released it over Thanksgiving too, which was a dumb move. Yeah, that, that's more of a family type, you know, holiday for movies, but. Uh... The Transporter films, they're not R-rated. I think they're all PG-13. Yeah, they all are, unfortunately. And, like, honestly, like, I like the first one because it's the most, like, um, complete film. Like, it, it has, like, I don't know. It, it, like, it's, it's just new. It's fresh. Whereas part twos and threes are just, like, you know, it's just an excuse for more action or whatever. But, yeah, like, I I don't know. Like, I think it would have been a much better series if it was R-rated. See, two is my favorite. I think just because of almost the camp value of it. Yeah, I mean, it is Statham's probably campiest movie. But uh, I think part two was really paving the way with the mother that wants to bang Statham and also the skanky bad girl chick. It was like, these were some real freckled women. And then in part three, we got the most freckled woman of all time in the history of cinema. Like, that, that chick was just hideous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this chick was red hair, so freckled. Like, she even had freckles on her lips and teeth. Like, it was just... Yeah, she was gross. She like Joe from The Facts of Life with the freckles. Oh, uh, come on now, man. Joe's my girl. Don't be bagging on Joe. Uh, I don't, guys don't see it, what your fascination with old girl is. 
Well, I mean, old girl's, uh, you know, she's a chip on the block. I mean, I like because she, cause she uh, even though Blair's the prettiest one, Blair's uptight, man. She's always wearing slacks and shit. Like, Joe's willing to rock them skirts with the, the thigh-high, knee-high socks. Like, that's the hot schoolgirl look. Dang. Anything's hotter than the chicken transporter three, though. We'll agree on that one. But uh, part four, he's gonna be driving around with Joe. I, you know, are they gonna do? I know they were. It was a TV show that got shelved after about a show. Um, you know, I had heard that supposedly he signed a contract to do transporter four, five, and six like a year ago, and I haven't heard anything since then. See, now so, I heard they were. They, there is a deal to make four, five, and six. They just didn't know if it was gonna be him. Right. Right. Maybe they figure we don't want to hire Frank Martin. He ain't gonna get our fucking package there. Yeah, we gotta get a new transfer. No, but I, I don't know. Like, I think that's gonna be a bad move because they tried the TV show without safety, and obviously that didn't work. He needs to do Crank Three. Yeah, they keep threatening, but I don't know. Like the Crank guys, the directors, it seems like they just fell off the face of the earth somehow. Well, that Ghost Rider movie is so fucking awful. Nah, Spirit of Vengeance, I'm talking. I think just, uh, I like both Ghost Rider movies, but I just think, I don't know, I just think the directors didn't, like, they didn't get any popularity. I also like Gamer that they made, but they just didn't get any popularity, so, it, you know, Crank movies don't make a lot of money because they're R-rated, so... Well, the first Crank made money, the second one was a bomb. Yeah, it did. And the second one was actually better, I thought. And it's hard to say, because with both those movies, like... Honestly, like, the downfall of the Crank movies is the action's not really that good. No, part two is just, I mean, just so batshit nuts. And you get to see Corey Haim in, in a mullet, you know, getting beat up by yeah. Amy Smart, so. And I, I love Biling and Crank 2. She was great in that, I gotta admit, she was. Yeah. It's a sad bit that she used to be semi-attractive, like in The Crow. Mm-hmm. Now she's, well, she's that girl from Celebrity Rehab. I don't know. I think, like, like I'll give her credit. I think she's probably the person in Hollywood who aged the best because she's like forty-eight, and like you can't really tell it. She like she really looks like a twelve-year-old boy, but well, but she was on Celebrity Rehab, so I mean, her days are numbered. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I do hope they make more. Um, I know Statham. He's got the Expendables going now, though. So to cap this off, let me check to see what Statham's got going. Well, he's got Fast and the Furious 7, so, I mean, that's a guaranteed blockbuster right there. Yeah, but you know what? For whatever reason, those movies don't help anybody's career, and I don't get it, but they don't. No, they just keep coming back to do more. All right, well, we had Redemption come out, which was a U.K. movie. It's on it's Netflix. Actually, it's a very good movie. I haven't watched it. There's Homefront, which I saw. It's pretty good. Um, then he's got Fast 7 in production. He's got a movie called Heat in production. He's also got The Expendables 3 in production. And then his last movie coming up in 2015 is called Susan Cooper. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That. I don't know that one. He's a... Oh, it's, it's, it's the comedy with Melissa McCarthy. She's hot. Oh, God. I don't I'm... seriously have sex with her. Oh, you, you're joking. Nope, I'm dead serious. And, and like, honestly, I'm not even saying that because she's heavyset woman. She just repulses me. Like, oh, she could lose 100 pounds, and I still wouldn't... <laughs> I, no. I still wouldn't touch old girl. I fucked the shit out of her. I fucked the shit out of Rebel Wilson, too. I got no shame in admitting that. 
Oh, Rebel Wilson is another bag of trash. That's okay. I'll take out that trash. I'll take the freckle chick for Transporter 3 over any of them. Oh, no way in holy hell. Yep. Monica Blue sees the hottest woman in film, though. Monica Blue? Monica Blue Oh, <laughs> Monica Blue, she is the hottest. She's the hottest chick in film. And she's getting older and she's still the hottest. I had no shame admitting I liked seeing her boobs in Irreversible. I didn't care if I had to sit through some other shit to see it. You, you didn't mind putting up with Roman Polanski's rape assault? No, you gotta take the good with the bad. Now, when you're making a movie like Irreversible, which you know is gonna be controversial, and you know, like, everybody's gonna be talking about this rape scene, do you think it was intentional that they got a an actor to play the rapist that looked exactly like Roman Polanski? You know, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where they thought it'd be smart to film a nine and a half minute rape scene. <laughs> but to be, but to be technical, the rape is only about a minute and a half long. The other eight minutes is the guy just mercilessly beating this woman into a coma. That's true. And to be fair, though, like, as brutal as that was, if that scene was in the movie, I don't think anybody would ever talk about that movie. You no, know what I'm saying? Because it, it was just a gimmick movie. We'll film it backwards in ten minute intervals. It wasn't that great of a film. It was just notorious for that scene. The the first part, man, I have the DVD and it's it's the one that I it's I don't know if I'll ever rewatch it because the first part, camera swirling around so much, man, you get so dizzy trying to watch it on on a with, big screen TV. With the old fat naked guy talking to somebody. Yeah, with the old boy talking to somebody in the window. You see a guy get beat to death with the fire extinguisher though, so that's pretty cool. But before you see the fire extinguisher death, you got to put it with like a bunch of guys fists, fisting each other and yeah, blowing each other. It's, it's an odd. I bought it because I had read so much about that scene. You know, I was like, I'm going to watch this. I happened to go to Suncoast Video that weekend, and they had it there. So I bought it, and I watched it. I'll never watch it again, but, I mean, I have it. Yeah, I, I bought it because of all the hype that was out on the time, and I knew it was something that was, because um, it's like an NC-17 film. It was nothing I was ever going to be able to rent in the store, and this was before the days of Netflix and shit. So I was like, well, I'll buy this shit. I bought it for like 20 bucks or whatever. I watched it one time, and like, it is a good movie. I don't want to say it's not, it's but it's well just acted, a hard It's well filmed. It's... Yeah, it's just hard to rewatch, you know what I mean? Now, she was also in one of my favorite action movies, Shoot 'em Up. Yep. I love she's, she's actually uh, an awesome actress too. There's one if you really like the way uh, she looks and shit is um, I want to say have you seen this one? I think it's called Melina. No, but I guess she's naked in it. Well, yeah, she is, but uh, it's like a, a period piece about like um, I want to say it's like World War One, World War Two. Fuck, I'm trying to trying see, to find. I'm see, I'm already bored. No, dude, it's it's good. It's like like basically, her husband goes off to war, and it's like through the eyes of this little boy who like idolizes her and in love with her and shit. And basically, what happens is like, yeah, it's called Melina, and uh, I think it's an Italian movie. Is it just like like the I can't remember who it was because I can't remember what war it was, but like the Nazis or somebody and occupy the town and like they turn her into a whore and all this stuff and like the town like spits on her and shit cause like she was like basically like whatever like like a whore for the enemy invaders and all that shit but she really had no choice about it and like they all stone her and shit at the end and run her out of town it's a really sad movie but like if you want to talk about a good like an Oscar quality movie man 
So she's awesome in it. But she's naked in it. Oh, yeah, she's naked. Okay. I don't care about her acting skills. <laughs> you know when she looked really the hottest? She plays one of the vampires in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Like the, I, the, I the, hate the, that movie. Well, you got to rewatch the scene where where uh, they grab old boy Keanu Reeves and pull him down into the pit. Because I think it's Jerry, I can't remember who it is, but it's a couple of chicks, but one of them is Monica Bellucci, and she's really young and, like, really hot and sexy. I like that she gets out breast milk and shoot them up. Yeah. That's a great movie. There should be three of those by now. I know, but again, people, oh, oh, we can't, it's just people getting shot left and right. We can't go see that, honey. No, no, let's let's go see Ice Age 2 instead. Ice Age 2 pretty fuck good movie, though. You think so? Yeah. Part 4 was pretty weak, though. And now they're making Part 5. They lost steam after they, Part 3, you think? Yeah, I do. Even my kid didn't like Part 4 very much. He was bored. Well, I mean, your son likes superhero movies and stuff. Of course, he don't. He ain't going to get bored by Ice Age. Well, he loved his Despicable Me, too, which actually is probably the best animated movie I've seen in a long time. I got to say, I really like Despicable Me as well. I've yeah. seen the first one, and I wanted to see the second one when it came out. The second one's funnier, I think. That's I my opinion. Mm, I don't know. To me, they're both about the same, but I, but I kind of like the first part better. I like I like when the when the the yellow guys they dress up as a family and go to the supermarket. Yeah, and they get her a toilet brush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but part two has a masked Mexican wrestler as a villain named El Macho. I I didn't like the way that guy looked. The the character was gross looking to look. <laughs> uh, I just like that he had a lucha mask and he was El Macho. That's because you wear a lucha mask all the time. You're wearing one right now. I am. I'm wearing one right now, yeah. I can see you on the webcam. You're wearing that shit. And then I'll take that off. My wife's waiting for me. I'll switch to the gimp mask. <laughs> like the guy from People Under the Stairs. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But this is action, so I guess yeah. with that, I, I got no more. Stay them, stay them the man. That's what I can say. That's right. Are we going to leave them with the tease of what the next episode is going to be, or are we going to keep it a mystery? No, we can leave them with the tease. Go ahead and tell them. We're going to be doing, speaking of Luke Besson, your favorite, we're going to be doing some more movies produced by Luke Besson, but we're still going to be talking about the District B-13 films. District B-13 and District B-13 Ultimatum. Kind of the French remakes of Escape from New York, if you will. And coming soon, Urban Seagal. <laughs> we might have to do a uh, commentary for Urban Scott. <laughs> I, I think that's going to be a special treat for Valentine's Day. Because uh, you know, Seagal, out of all the action heroes, has the most uh, chemistry with all his female leads. Yeah, we're going to think of one we're going to get a good one Valentine's Day with Seagal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure to put your wife in the mood. That's right. I guess with this... Uh, take it take it easy, fans, and we'll see you next week. That's right. Happy New Year. We're going to make 2014 a big year of action. <laughs>